Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. Our, th- our thanks today go to Paul and Sally Thompson for our readings and to the choristers of St Martin in the Fields for our hymns. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, 
all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we begin our worship, let's think of the week that is past, and all that's happened in it. There will have been times when we've done wrong, or fallen short, because we're human. So we ask for God's forgiveness, in the joyful knowledge that nothing can destroy his love for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. O God, the strength of all those who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing without you, grant us the help of your grace, that in the keeping of your commandments we may please you both in will and deed, through Jesus Christ your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and for ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm today is Psalm 130. Out of the depths have I called to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. 
Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? For there is forgiveness with you, therefore you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits for him, in his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the night watch for the morning, more than the night watch for the morning. O Israel, wait for the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, with him there is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. A reading from Mark chapter 3. Then he went home, and the crowd came together again, so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And he calls them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then, indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. You don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. I expect we've all sometimes sympathised with that slogan. Most organisations, workplaces, families, communities have their own quirky cultures, their strange demands. And sometimes all we can do is go with the flow even if that means squashing ourselves into an uncomfortable mould rather than trying to change the situation. But we've always done it that way, people tell you, even if no one can remember why. It's not a problem if it's only about small things, but sometimes fitting in can reinforce injustices, madnesses that need to be challenged. And that can be very tough because people can be very resistant to change. Malala Yousafzai, while still in her mid-teens, decided not to fit in with the prevailing opinion in her part of Pakistan that girls shouldn't go to school. The result was that she was shot in the head, permanently disabling her, 
and had to flee the country with her family. Those who shot her were completely convinced that it was wrong for girls and young women to learn and to express themselves, something we take for granted. But before we get too sniffy about it, we need to remember that it's barely a hundred years since women in the UK got the vote, and not every woman at that, and that women couldn't graduate from Cambridge until 1948. They'd been able to study there since the 1860s, but it seemed obvious to those who made the rules that it was quite wrong for them to be granted the degrees they'd studied for. Martin Luther King was imprisoned for having the effrontery to suggest that black people should be treated the same as white people. Gandhi's demands for India to be allowed to rule itself were regarded as incomprehensible by many of its English rulers. Looking back, we wonder how people could ever have thought it was OK to behave like that. But there was far too much at stake in economic and political terms to think of changing it. In our current age, Greta Thunberg is trolled on social media for pointing out the dangers of climate change. It seems easier to lay into this one teenage girl than it is to face up to the urgent ecological crisis threatening the future of the whole human race. Her critics, including the former President of the United States, often draw attention to the fact that she has Asperger's syndrome, as if that made her views any less valid. Human beings have a huge capacity for self-delusion, for closing our eyes to things we'd rather not see, and we'll find any way we can of discounting those who point them out. In today's Gospel story, a crowd has gathered around Jesus, drawn by the healing miracles he's been performing, often for those on the margins of society. But there were many who refused to see the good in this. Among them were his own family, who thought he'd gone out of his mind. The Greek text makes it clear that it's they who are saying this, not just the anonymous people of our trans translation. His duty as a son was to provide for his own household, not challenge the powers that be on behalf of others. And they are, at least, trying to be charitable. The religious authorities, represented here by scribes from Jerusalem, simply believe he's in league with Satan. How else could he exercise the powers he does? He can't have been sent by God. If God wanted someone to do his work, there were p plenty of far more qualified candidates in the temple or the synagogues. Why would God sidestep the respectable establishment with all its experts and choose a carpenter from Nazareth? And why would his chosen one focus on all his attention on the riffraff, sinners and outsiders, rather than those who have kept the rules, or at least tried to, who are surely more deserving of God's blessing? Of course, just because you are swimming against the tide of public opinion doesn't necessarily mean you're going in the right direction. Just because people are opposed to you doesn't necessarily mean that you're right and they are wrong. But the litmus test in the Bible is that of love, and especially love for those at the bottom of the heap, the most vulnerable, the ones who've been excluded. If what we fight for resets the balance in their favour, there's a good chance that it's the right choice. And that's what Jesus was doing. Jesus' family think that he's out of his mind, 
but the truth is that he is perfectly, properly in it. The religious experts call the good that he's doing bad. But his reaction to injustice and suffering is entirely godly and in line with the scriptures they profess to uphold. It's not him who's gone awry, but the world which is out of kilter. Today's Old Testament reading, the story of Adam and Eve, expresses that out-of-kilterness. It was never intended as a historical account of creation, by the way, and our issues with that can entirely derail our appreciation of it. It was, instead, a story told to explore the fact, as obvious to us as it was to its original authors, that however wonderful and beautiful the world is, however wonderful and beautiful people are, Sooner or later, things go wrong. People go wrong. Chaos creeps in to mess up our good intentions through negligence, weakness and our own deliberate fault, as one of our prayers of confession puts it. There is love, hope, joy and kindness in abundance in the world. But to be human means also to be fallible and flawed, warped by fear and greed. As we grow up, twisted out of shape by the world we're born into, we inevitably twist other people's lives out of shape too, passing on the damage to those around us and those who come after us. Our response to that has often been to try to tidy things up ourselves, set boundaries, create rules, divide people into good and bad, exert our own control. But that often just makes a bad situation worse further oppressing those who are already struggling. And it doesn't work. It never has. One of the reasons we close our eyes to the injustices around us is that deep down we know we don't have the power to solve them. We're on the inside of the situation, part of the problem. That's why God sends his Son, who has the power to bind the strong man, as this passage puts it to cut through the intractable tangle of evil we're caught in, although it will cost him his life to do so. When Adam and Eve were cast out of Eden, God went with them into the wilderness. He knew they couldn't do this without him. His people heard his voice in burning bushes, angelic visitors, dreams and visions, as close to them as he'd ever been, if only their eyes and ears were open to him. His presence reassured them that they were indeed naked, as Adam and Eve had realised, vulnerable and helpless, but they were also still loved and cherished. Ultimately, he came to them, to us, in the person of Jesus, to show us that nothing could defeat his love. Learning to trust that may call us out of the mind of the world in which we live, we may find ourselves swimming against its tide. But God's promise is that it will call us into his mind, sharing his life, through which we can find our own true shape and nature, the peace he intended for us all along, which little by little sets the world to rights. Amen. Let us pray. Loving Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of your Son, and for the path he invites us to walk with him. Give us courage to live with integrity and wisdom to discern your call. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Loving Lord, we pray for our world, especially for those who are left behind, discounted or marginalised. We pray for refugees and for all who try to address their need for safety and support. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for your church, giving thanks for the ministry of James, our bishop, and Julie, our archdeacon, both shortly to be moving on. Give wisdom to those with responsibility for making new appointments and sustain those who've taken on extra work in the interim. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we thank you for our community, for our schools going back after a week's break, for the residents and staff of Lavender Fields, for our local businesses and community organisations. We thank you for the chance to meet up once again and we pray for all who have to work out how to do so safely. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for all who are in need, for those who are sick and those who care for them, and we hold before you those known to us and those whose suffering is known only to you in a moment of silence. Grant them the blessing of your peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we thank you for all whose lives have lit up ours, and we entrust into your keeping all who have died and those who mourn their loss. Comfort those who grieve with your presence and the knowledge that in drawing close to you, they draw close to those they love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we share in the peace, I'd like to invite you to think of someone who you know, maybe a member of our congregation, maybe a member of your family from whom you're separated, or a friend someone who you would like to feel that you're united with at this point. Because we're all held together in God's love, even when we're separated physically. We are the body of Christ. In the one spirit, we were all baptised into one body. Let us then pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Keep us, good Lord, under the shadow of your mercy in this time of uncertainty and distress. Sustain and support the anxious and fearful and lift up all who are brought low, that we may rejoice in your comfort 
knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.